Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. The Bible talks about the river of God. In Psalm 46, it says there's a stream who's, who's, uh, what's the verse? <laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to be a professional today. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And I can't even talk. Thank you, Lord. Psalms talks about the river of God in Psalm 1. It's spoken about in Ezekiel 47. And in Psalm, or sorry, Revelation chapter 22. In Psalms, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fr- uh, fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does he prospers. So the man that delights really in the word of the Lord, in the word of God, is like a tree that is unmovable because it's planted by the river of God. And that river makes glad the city of God. In Ezekiel 47, the river of God is said to be proceeding from the temple. And there's a steady increase of the flow of the river. It starts low at the ankles and it works its way up until the prophet can't stand in it anymore. It's waters to swim in. And really each one of these these pictures of the, the river is the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the glory of God proceeding from the temple. And the same thing we see in Psalm 22 it says that there's a, a river proceeding from the temple on, on, uh, out of the throne and from the Lamb. And it says that on the banks of the river, there's trees lined on either side. And, and on those trees are leaves that are for the healing of the nations. And what I began to see over... A period of time is that yes in the old covenant the temple was a physical place and a structure but Paul says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost so in the new covenant the headwaters of the river if you will is the church <laughs> Right? Jesus said, if you believe in me, as the scriptures have said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So the picture of the temple 
proceeding and where did Christ come and make his home after salvation? Inside of you, his church. And there, proceeding from the throne and out of the Lamb, is the river of God. And Ezekiel says that wherever the river touches, it comes back to life. So when we talk about the river of God, we're not just talking about nice imagery. It was beautiful as we were talking about the river, we, there was like the procession of the, the body of Christ was becoming the river and flowing with the Holy Spirit. And I feel like it was just a prophetic sign of us getting into the flow and no longer just trying to work things up of our own strength. I know, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time in study and I could just make stuff happen because I know how it's supposed to work, right? <laughs> I know how the gospel goes. I could tell it to you. And the Lord is faithful. He'll bring fruit. He's faithful to his gospel. But you'll never walk. I'll never walk in the blessing of God the way we were designed, for, uh, designed to by moving in our own strength. For even on the great day of the Lord, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I, I never knew you. So works apart from intimacy is nothing. And so today I feel an invitation to get into the river, to flow with the river. I, I think I said this last week, on the river of God, you're not allowed to have a paddle in your boat. You're only allowed to lift your sails. And let the wind of God and the river of God carry you with the current and so I'm just resolving today in front of all of you that I myself am going to jump in the river <laughs> and it's a raging river <laughs> it's got a glorious strong uh, current and it clears the way of all debris and obstacles And so you may need, need your floaties. <laughs> but Holy Spirit will help you to navigate this. I'm just, I'm done doing it in my own strength. This world is too broken to just meet Johnny. They must meet the author of life. the person of the Holy Spirit. Oh. Let's, see. Let's see where we end up. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> please, don't, please don't check out in your head because we've moved past worship. He's still here and he's still touching. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The message that I've entitled, uh, this message is More Than Conquerors, uh, Romans chapter 8, if you want to turn there. I had the audacious desire to try to preach through the entire chapter. That will not be happening. <laughs> one day, one day maybe. I just want to stay with the Lord today. And every day. 
This is really, uh, we're going to look at verse 37. And what, um, yeah, Romans 8, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 8, verse 37. Sorry, um, <laughs> the Lord got me <laughs> this morning. Um, <laughs> on Friday, I, I realized, you know, the revelation, <laughs> the verse that says, if I'm in my right mind, it's for you. But if I'm out of my mind, it's for God. So every, I'm trying to pull it together for you right now. I would love to just lay on the floor and just not move. But I feel like the Lord has something. Crazy Lord. Let's read the verse. Romans 8, verse 37. I feel the joy of the Lord today. Thank you, Lord. No, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thank you, Lord. So what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Uh, I, I wrote this down the other day. I actually think that this will end up tying perfectly into what the Lord was doing this morning. So what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? In ancient times, a conqueror was one who had won a multitude of battles and had overtaken a plethora of nations and peoples. To be more than a conqueror means not only have you been victorious previously in battle, it means you have conquered all there is to conquer and now you rule over it all and you are in peacetime. As Ephesians calls it, the gospel of peace. We are messengers of the proclamation that King Jesus has conquered all there is to conquer, and we have entered into the age of eternal peace, or the favorable year of the Lord. All right? Um, yeah, I love this to no end. I say it all the time. The year is 2023. 2023 from what? From Jesus. A.D. means Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. Every time, whether Christian or non-Christian, someone writes the date on a piece of paper, they are proclaiming the favorable year of the Lord. So I've made it a point to not just write the date. I, I say now, in the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> Because he reigns. <laughs> Welcome to Zion. But you say, how can we be in the favorable year of the Lord, the eternal age of peace, when so much of the earth and its inhabitants are raging and out of order? Well, it could be likened to a king who overtakes a city, but the inhabitants are not happy about the takeover. So they continually plot rebellions. But they have been stripped of their weapons and power. So when they come to the fortified castle with their sticks and their stones, the king laughs at their feeble attempts to overthrow him. Here, the one who went forth conquering and to conquer sends forth his army of kingdom ambassadors 
to put in order all that is out of order. All that does not accord with the king's edict must come into alignment. So with the delegated authority of the king, the sons of the kingdom drive out all remaining opposition. They pull down every high thing that would attempt to exalt itself above the decree of the king. They do not go out for victory. They go out from victory. To make this territory look like the cities of the king. Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. The king is Christ, and his ambassadors are us, his ecclesia, his church, his called out ones. Commissioned to rule in the power of his spirit, his saints, who are seated with Christ in heavenly places, go out to make this place look and function like heaven. Remember, heaven is not locational in nature. It is dimensional. I'll say that again. Remember, heaven is not locational in nature. It is dimensional. Remember our commission, proclamation, starts with repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Heaven is not in some far-off galaxy. It is just beyond the veil of the natural. Since we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses, where are the cloud of witnesses? In heaven. But the Bible says we're surrounded by them. Heaven is not far off. It's just beyond the veil. And believers occupy two realms at the same time. We are simultaneously seated with Christ in heavenly places and on the earth commissioned to make earth look like heaven. Well, where is it, you ask? Well, it is in the Holy Ghost. And he lives in you, his church. Paul says, the kingdom is not a matter of meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what is our commission? It's to make righteousness rule in our day, in our city. And how do we do that? By the gospel. By hearts being conformed to the image of Christ and coming to him, righteousness begins to flow from the people. Righteousness begins to reign. It says that God's throne is established upon righteousness and justice. And when righteousness goes forth and you are made the righteousness of God, right? He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that I through him may be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness then produces peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Heaven is just beyond the veil of the natural, literally the super Natural means beyond the natural. So with one hand on the throne and one hand on the broken, we bring heaven to earth. With one hand on the throne and one hand on the sick, we bring heaven to earth. With one hand on the throne and one hand on the demonized, 
we bring heaven to earth. With one hand on the throne and one hand on the dead, we bring heaven to earth. These are known as more than conquerors. Hallelujah. The Lord spoke to me the other day in prayer and he, he called us Edenites. When Christ, the second Adam, or the Bible calls him the last Adam, came, he reinstituted what the first Adam lost. And now, everywhere that we go, he is renewing. The garden mandate has been reinstituted to subdue the earth and to have dominion over it. And how does that happen? Through the image of God in us. We are to put everything that's out of alignment back into alignment. And it sounds like a tall task because it is. But everything is easy in the glory. <laughs> everything is easy in the river. And so if we try to do this in our own strength, we will not be able to do it. But if we flow with the river of God, it will put to life everything that is dead. And many people have seen it. Caesar was telling me this morning he saw a vision of it, um, of, of the river flowing down Neighborhood Road that was higher than the trees, <laughs> sweeping away everything in its path. <laughs> I've heard of people having visions of a tsunami wave crashing over Mastic Beach. This is the glory of God. And we're going to begin to experience it more and more because the Lord takes us from glory to glory, to glory, to glory. As the Bible says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The reason why we could be more than conquerors is because Christ really did finish all the work necessary. When he came, he didn't kind of do it. He did it. It is finished. When he said it, he meant it. It is done. And now we reap the benefits on something which the Bible says we bestowed no labor. So we believe in the one true God that Christ came in the flesh that he died and paid the penalty for our sin, was raised to life on the third day, exalted to see, uh, sit at the right hand of the Father. And when we believe that, we become who we were designed to be, which are sons of the Most High God. When I say that, that is not uh, gender specific. If I could be his bride, ladies, you could be his son. If we were able to see the love of God as it is towards his saints, we would never fear or question anything ever again.
And today I need you as the river flows through this room, I need you to believe the love of the Father. It's going to put to rest every place of restlessness in your heart, every area that is broken. He has come to bind up the brokenhearted. Believe him. Why can we be more than conquerors? Well, the verse, verses preceding says after, um, or not preceding, after verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is no time, that is no space, that is no thing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And we must believe this, we must stop wavering we must stop wavering and running from Christ when our greatest need is to run to Christ. When you recognize that you are insufficient, praise God. For you can find the sufficiency that you need in Christ. For He is all sufficient. So every time you feel disqualified, every time you sin again after you've told the Lord a thousand times you weren't going to do that again, don't run from Jesus, run to him. We have a, a strange thing in the body of Christ. We think that there's great mercy extended to those that are outside the family coming in. But we don't believe that same mercy is available to the, those that are in the family. Just the way the Father left the porch to run and meet you on the road the first time, He'll do it again. One of the greatest reasons why people backslide and never return is because they don't think they're going to find mercy when they return. Their shame is too great. But we break shame in Jesus' name right now. Come home. You will find mercy in his eyes. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. I want to read something quickly. Um, I do this with trepidation because I know this is a controversial figure. I'm a controversial figure, so <laughs> praise God. Um, <laughs> Brother Kenneth uh, Hagen wrote a book called um, The Authority of the Believer, The Believer's Authority, rather. And uh, as I was rereading through some chapters today, or sorry, this week, um, I just came across a part that I really feel would bless us as we continue to not only receive from the river of God, but be outlets for the river of God to flow, for the glory of God to flow. Now, I don't agree with everything that Kenneth Hagin believes, but I don't agree 100% with anyone that I've ever met. So, I bless you with that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Exercising authority. It says, the door to exercising authority pivots upon two phrases Paul prayed in Ephesians. 
the first, and set him at the right hand in the heavenly places, and the second is, hath raised us up together with him. Meditate on these two prayers. Learn to pray them for yourself. Feed on their truths until they become a part of your inner consciousness. Then they will dominate your life. But don't try to accept them mentally. You've got to get the revelation of them in your spirit. Not that, uh, sorry, notice not only is Christ seated at the right hand of the Father above all powers of Satan's realm, but we're there too because God hath raised us up together with him. Not only have we been made to sit, but notice where we are sitting, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. In the mind of God, we were raised when Christ was raised. When Christ sat down, we sat down too. That's where we are now, positionally speaking. Right? Do you believe that? The word says we were raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's where we are now, positionally speaking. We're seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. The act of Christ being seated implies that for the time being, at least certain aspects of his work are suspended. So he's saying that Christ sat down in a posture of rest, that his work was finished when he sat down. That means the work of salvation was finished, but not the work wasn't finished. Do you hear the difference between that? The work of salvation was completely finished, but there's still work to be done. All the authority that was given to Christ belongs to us through him that we may exercise it. We help him by carrying out his work upon the earth. The one aspect of his work that the word of God tells us uh, to do is to stand our ground against the devil and to put him on the run with the word of God. In fact, Christ can't do his work on us with, uh, sorry, Christ can't do his work on earth without us. Someone will argue, well, he can get along without me, but I, but I need him. No, actually, he can't get along without you any more than you can't get along without him. You see, the truth that Paul is bringing out here in Ephesians is that Christ is the head and we are the body. What if your body said, I can get along without my head, I don't need my head? No, your body can't get along without your head. And what if your head said, well, I can get along without my body. I do not need it. I can get along without my hands and feet. No, you can't. Likewise, Christ can't get along without us because the work of Christ in God is carried out through the body of Christ. His work never will be done apart from us and we never get, uh, can get along without him. We are not saying that Christ is insufficient or that God is in need, right? We're not saying that. What we are saying is that the way God designed it to work is that he would not do anything apart from his bride in the earth. We are his hands and his feet. Do you believe that? Yes. So then we have to be uh, attentive to what the head is doing. And where is the head? In heaven. So with one hand on the throne and one hand on the sick we bring heaven to earth let's read a little bit more here Ephesians 6:12 says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers if you take this verse out of its setting and go on talking about this awful fight we're in against the devil and describing how powerful the devil is you've missed the whole point 
Paul was making because that's not what he's saying in Ephesians. Remember when Paul wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus, he didn't divide it into chapters and verses. Scholars did that at a much later date to help us for making reference. You can do great harm sometimes by picking one verse out of a chapter and taking it out of its setting and making it say something that it doesn't. The Holy Spirit through Paul already has said in the second chapter that we are seated above these powers that we have to deal with. Not only is Christ seated at the right hand of the Father far above all powers, we're there too because God has made us to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. Therefore, in our battle against the enemy and his forces, we need to keep in mind that we're above them, that we have authority over them. The word tells us that Jesus has conquered them, and our job is to enforce his victory. His victory belongs to us, and we are to carry it out. The Bible says that the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has come to live inside of you. And we can slough everything off to the sovereignty of God that he's going to do it all without us, but actually inside of his sovereignty, he has chosen to use his people to accomplish his purposes. And so I believe today that there's grace to jump into the river of God, to be carried by the current of the Holy Spirit, and to do everything that you were designed to do as the sons of the kingdom. The world is waiting for the mature bride. Romans 8. (laughs) All of creation is groaning and travailing for the manifestations of the sons of God. All of creation isn't actually groaning for the return of the Lord. It's groaning for you to become who you were designed to be. The sons of the kingdom. Earlier in Romans 8, it says those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So how do we do what God has designed for us to do? We become those that determine that we will be, do nothing unless we are led by the Spirit. Even Jesus said, I do nothing that I don't see the Father doing, and I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father saying. That must become our way of life. We must, <laughs> the stupidest saying in the world, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. That's actually not a thing. <laughs> If you were heavenly minded, earth would look very different. What we need to do is get in tune with the newsreel that is going on in heaven and get our eyes off of the newsreel that's happening on the earth. Because the Lord is doing something in our day. And if we take our eyes off of him, we will not be able to partner with him the way that we have designed to. And the Lord has many different things on his mind. Most of what you see on the screen is just a distraction to keep you from what's actually happening. (laughs) I bless you with that. CNN, Fox News, they're all the same. They got money to make. 
and they'll say what their audience is looking for you to for you what you want them to say that's what they're going to say because that's where the money is so let's get up on heaven's newsreel let's get up and open our eyes in the heavenly places where we've been seated in christ and let's hear what heaven wants to do and let's make real change let's stop complaining about everything that we're seeing and let's make a difference by the glory of God. We're going to take communion, but before we do that, I just want us to take a, if you agree with this, you don't have to agree with me, but if you do, <laughs> I only need a handful, guys. Jesus turned the world upside, uh, upside down with 12 people, okay? And if you believe me, what I've said, and you want to get in this glory, just put your hands up to heaven. And just begin, hallelujah. There was way more people than I thought was going to be. Hallelujah. Jesus, come and touch your church, God. Right now, as with hands lifted up into the heavenly places, God, we say that we're not going to move without you. We're not going to move without you anymore. We're not going to try to do things in our own strength. Lord, come with your presence. Come with a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit right now. Awaken gifts. Lord, show us. Show us in the Spirit, Lord, what you've designed us to be. And Lord, your word says that you predestined us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. We're supposed to be walking around looking like Jesus. So Lord, I thank you for right now our eyes being opened and awakened to everything that you've designed for us to do and everything that you've designed for us to become. And Lord, instead of beholding the world and beholding the things in the world, we're going to set our minds on things above where Christ is seated, not on things on the earth. For we have died with Christ and were raised with him to new life. And we do not yet know what we shall be, but when he appears, we will be like him. That is not just about the second coming of Jesus. Every inbreaking of the presence of God, every appearing of the presence of God makes us more into the image of Christ. So Lord, we will behold you so that we can become like you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321. Bless you.